So let's first start with introduce the brand Kisua for uh-huh. those who either have never heard of it or who have and even wear some of the stuff but don't yeah. know the story behind the brand. Okay, so Kisua is a, a contemporary African fashion brand. Um, the idea was to take all that Africa offers us in terms of inspiration and turn that into a modern African fashion brand, one that made good quality clothes, but that were also affordable. And that's how the idea behind Kisua was born. Hmm. And if I remember correctly from our first conversation, it also serves as a sort of a co-op, isn't it, for African fashion designers who... Um, either would struggle with the operational costs of their own businesses and but just also putting them all under one label. Yeah, so what we do is uh, that we do collaborations with designers. One of the challenges we had uh, when we started the business, uh, initially we actually wanted to carry products from different African designers. And we soon realized that African designers have a lot of challenges. And one of the biggest challenges they face is working capital. And so they actually don't have stock. Now, if you're going to sell African fashion, contemporary African fashion all over the world, in the U.S., the U.K., you know, we have three distribution centers, U.S., U.K., and South Africa, you need stock. Uh, and so the way we, uh, we, we, we address that issue was to collaborate with the designers uh, from a design perspective uh, whilst we took responsibility for the production and the, the the manufacturing of the stock. How did you go about with entrenching it? Sometimes we, we, we have an idea, you want to plant the seed, but even if you plant the seed, it doesn't quite work. It takes time. You know, Warren Buffett once said that you cannot have a baby in one month by making nine women pregnant. You know, some things just take time. And, uh, you know, we, this brand is now four years old on the 10th of October wow. was our fourth Time birthday. Flies, huh? Exactly. And so I think it's just a case of being consistent um, and making sure that you keep your customers happy consistently. And eventually you grow bit by bit, you know, month on month, year on year, more people get to hear about you, more people get to discover the brand. More customers buy from you. You give them a great experience. They look good. They get complimented. And then they come back and they tell their friends. And over time, you build a brand. Well, more people hear about you. More people wear your clothes. I mean, you're just being uh, very, very... um, You've been very coy here because Uh, I see when you say Kasua, there's the name Beyonce pops up. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was an interesting story. Yeah, we've actually dressed many, many fashion influencers, as they call them, uh, including Beyonce, which was uh, a great experience. How did that come about? So it's actually an interesting story. You know, somebody dropped us an email saying, hey, I would, um, I'd like to dress Beyonce in some of your clothes. Now, obviously, when you get an email like that, you just n- assume it's 419, you know? Uh, I'm from West Africa, so we're very careful like that. I'm from Ghana. So we ig- actually ignored the email for about two weeks. Oh, wow. Yeah. Then a voice in my head said, you know, let's just check. So we had uh, one of our investors who's connected to the U.S. music industry. And we forwarded in the email, forwarded in the email and said, hey, we received this email. We think it's... 
a 419, you know, next thing they're going to be asking for bank accounts to Beyonce wants to share some of her money with you <laughs> and, and the like. And, uh, and so he said, okay, give me 48 hours. I'll check and I'll get back to you. So then in about 48 hours, he responded and he said, uh, yes, the lady who contacted you is actually Beyonce's day stylist. Wow. And that was the first time I had the expression day stylist. <laughs> and it was indeed Beyonce's stylist. And that's how Beyonce got to work Isua. Mm-hmm. She worked on a couple of occasions, which was great. And and have you ever had a chance to meet her, talk to her, so, any of your fashion influences for that matter? Yeah, so we, you know, we've met and spoken to... Uh, Beyonce, we ha- I haven't met, but mm-hmm. I have met, you know, uh, lots of fashion influences. Uh mostly locally, but also a few international. And we're, we're happy, you know, locally, quite a number of, uh, of you know, very fashionable ladies like uh, Terry Petto, Bonang, Peltusi, you know, the list goes on and on and on. It's Minnie Dlamini, is it Jones? Yes, yes. Mrs. Jones, yes. Yes, um, Mrs. Jones. <laughs> we've dressed Mrs. Jones. So, so we've dressed a whole bunch of uh, female celebrities. And now recently we just launched menswear. You know, so the men are also getting to getting but on the act. But you've always had though some something for men. I mean, initially we started playing around with accessories. So we had caps, we had bow ties, pocket squares, um, and now we've launched our first kind of men's shirts collection, like the one you're wearing now. Like absolutely thing. exquisite. So tell Thank me the you. story about that one. This particular one uh, is part of our uh, Zanzibar cruise collection. As you know, it's uh, key December, and uh, everybody is in is in holiday mode. So this uh, this latest Zanzibar collection is very summery, very airy, very light. Uh, and so there's a women's collection, you know, featuring very sort of Zanzibar cruise type, the kind of things you would wear to go on holiday on the beach or on a cruise. And then we also have the men's capsule collection which also is inspired by Zanzibar. So some of it's colorful, some of it's quite monochrome, quite toned down, um, but uh, but also very summery and uh, very light. You sort of do a, a capsule-like wardrobe affair, don't you, with some of the designs that you have, that you could find several pieces that you can either put together or you, you actually have a full and variable outfits in it. Yeah, that's correct. We actually launched with multiple capsules, you know. So our initial, our very first collection was a capsule collection with 10, actually it was 10 capsules in one super collection uh, with 10 designers from different African countries. So designers from Nigeria, from Ghana, from DRC, from Kenya and, and, and a few others. Um, and we've kind of maintained that philosophy of, you know, capsule collections that are interesting, not too big, uh, but quite frequent. So you're always giving the customer something, something interesting, some a reason to come back. I want to talk about the concept. I mean, you, you, you said that it was to bring it into contemporary everyday wear, African print or African wear. How is it translating it to it being accepted across the board, across the racial line, across the age groups, etc. Because it's really, I don't know anybody who hasn't seen it, it's really practical stuff, but it's beautiful. I mean, I think initially, Michelle Constant and I came up to your pop-up yes. store. We bought quite a couple of things. And 
it, I still wear it. I mean, it, it, they really stand out. Thank you. Thank you. Yes. And, uh, you know, now also now that we have menswear, you know, we're dressing the likes of DJ Fresh and Lucas Ratebe and a whole bunch of guys are now also taking to, to the brand. But one of the key things we do as part of our design philosophy is we look at who we're dressing. You know, we're dressing modern, busy men and women like you. Um, and we want to give you something that feels natural, something that you wear easily without effort, without thinking too much about it. We don't think ourselves as the kind of African fashion that is only for special occasions. So, you know, I'm going to a wedding, I have to look African, and therefore I will now go and buy something African because I have to look African for this wedding. It's not like that. And it's that's the thing, wear. what is looking African though, you know? So traditionally, it has been, you know, something bright, something colorful, maybe with a head wrap on and something loud, something very expressive. And we're saying, you know, it doesn't necessarily have to be like that. It can be very muted, like the shirt I'm wearing now, very muted, but it still has an African touch. It still has textured fabric. It's, it's still, you know, very, very modern. I'm wearing this with a pair of jeans. And this is how I went to work today. Uh, and we're saying you could actually incorporate contemporary African fashion in your everyday wear. Now, the, to answer your question also about, you know, the mix and who's buying. You know, initially we actually thought that um, the bulk of our customers were going to be black because we were an African fashion brand. And what we found, very interestingly, is almost 50% of our customers are actually white. And what that tells us is that, you know, the language of good design is universal. If you make something nice and wearable, it doesn't matter where the inspiration comes from, people are going to take to it. You know, we get, uh, we have global distribution. We get orders from Australia, from Australia to Austria. Uh, and so people are really taking to this concept of, you know, contemporary affordable mm. African fashion. Where do you source the material from and who gets to join your stable? I mean, are you particular? Are you picky about who designs for you? Is there sort of a Kasiwa standard that one has to, you know, ensure that they're in line with? Yeah. So the first question about um, our sourcing practices, uh, the bulk of our sourcing and production is done in Africa. So a lot of our fabric comes from places like Ghana and Ivory Coast. And then uh, we also source locally here in South Africa. And our production is done primarily in South Africa. You know, this shirt I'm wearing is made in South Africa. A lot of our things are made in South Africa. We also sometimes produce in uh, in Rwanda. And we're also looking at expanding that to other production in Africa, other African countries like Ethiopia and possibly even Senegal in the not-too-distant future. And, so, and that's part of our brand essence is it's African design, designed in Africa, sourced in Africa, produced in Africa. And the designers that you bring on board? Yeah, so, you know, we have to be selective. We get hundreds of applications from designers who want to collaborate with Kisua. We, we, we have to be selective. What, what we look for is we look for designers who have something interesting about them, a cool signature, a cool look, a cool design aesthetic. It's sometimes hard to... Put that into uh, to define mm. yes yes scientifically uh, and then and then, you know we have a very we have our own design philosophy at Kisua and then we look for how we can we can merge the two you know a designer might bring a very playful colorful spirit 
and we bring some discipline with the structure and the silhouettes and we combine the two and you get something quite interesting um some a, a designer might have something that's quite casual sort of biker chick type vibe and we find a way to incorporate you know the some african accents some textured fabric into that designer's own signature and 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 we always look for these kinds of collaborations that will merge you know the old and the new the african with the ndebele or the or the sutu or the ghanaian or the yoruba we find all these elements and we combine them sometimes with each other or sometimes with you know european um silhouettes to produce something interesting so sam just finally how did you get into this kind of business? And and I want you to use that as an opportunity to talk to other aspiring designers or, or business people within this realm, or, or even generally business people in general. Yeah, so, I mean, this was a beautiful accident. It was a complete accident. Uh, if you had uh, told my parents when I, they were sending me to school <laughs> that their son would one day... Uh, going to fashion or become a tailor, as my mother calls it, uh, you know, they would have they would have had a heart attack. Uh, my background is, uh, is actually in finance and technology. You know, so technology underpins a lot of things that we do uh, with our e-commerce platform. And we also have stores. We have a store in uh, in Sandton City. And it's the same technology that runs the e-commerce, our global e-commerce platform that also runs our physical retail locations like the Sandton City store. And um, this was an accident. I travel a lot in Africa. I love African cultural, you can call them cultural products, very broadly. And that's music. It's food. It's traditional beers and drinks and clothes, crafts, art. Um, And I've always been curious about why these things are so beautiful. People want them. But why there's there's no real business behind them? Uh, You know, we don't have uh, a large African fashion brand. We have lots of African designers, but there isn't one mm. or two African fashion brands where you go anywhere in the world and you mention it and they're like, oh, okay, yeah, that's yeah. the African Zara or that's the African H&M or that's the African Armani or that's the African Gucci. It doesn't exist. You know, we, we have lots of small designers. So, and, and, and the bulk of the reason for this is you need a, a number of things to build a large fashion business, to build a large any business, actually. You know, you need the right people. You need capital, and then you need the right systems, the technology and the processes to run all of it. Um, and that was the challenge for me. Yeah, I spent several years in corporate. I wanted to, and I had gotten to a point in my career where I had to ask myself, you know, do I want to become CEO? Do I want to spend the next, you know, 10, 15 years climbing up the corporate ladder to become CEO? Or do I want to go off and do something entrepreneurial, something different? And I'm like, okay, let's take... Uh, the the fun route uh, and uh, and see what happens. So I actually sold all my possessions and started the business. And then once I had started, investors got interested and you know uh, started investing in in the business. And uh, and and that's kind of how it started. It started out of my friends wanting to buy things that they saw me bring back when I travel from different African countries and me saying to them, go on the internet, I'm sure you'll find it. And then come, and they come back and I, we can't find it. Nobody nobody does this. And that's how this all came about. So after a while I said, you know, this needs to get done. I can't believe nobody's doing this. Uh, we need an African Zara. We need, you know, a brand that we can be proud of that represents the continent that is affordable but makes great quality uh, fashion. And that's how it happened. 
So in a word, encouragement to anybody who wants to do what you're doing, whether it's in the fashion industry or any other business. So there's two things I'd say to you. I'd say, um, so I'm not one of those people, and maybe it's also because of my background, because I spent many years in corporate. Uh, I'm not one of those people who you know, tells kids to drop everything and jump straight into business. I believe in spending some time working for somebody else, getting somebody else to train you, learn from them, getting them to pay for your education, for your business education, getting them to pay for your mistakes, learn as much as you can, and then some t- at some point make that call and then break out on your own. I, I think when you do that, one of the traps of working in in corporate and working for other people is that you can get very comfortable you get used to the car the house the bills and then it becomes very difficult to break away from that so i think you need to in it in in making that decision you need to understand the lifestyle sacrifices that you have to make i mean i drive the same car i've driven for the last 13 years and it's still going strong and i take good care of it and i drive it um and 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 so you 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 have to be comfortable to make those sacrifices you also have to be um, aware and make peace with the possibility of failure although you never accept failure but you know when you're going into this that hey i'm going to put a a plan for failure you got a a plan no you got you got to understand that it's it it may be a possibility so that when you do encounter challenges you know you don't give up on life and you don't become despondent and despair because you know that part of building a business means that you're going to fail several times but you have to keep going and you have to keep adjusting the business model and the kisua that we started you know 4 years ago is not the kisua today we had to fine tune it and and improve it as we went along so going into it you have to go in with the right mindset i'm going to i'm going to give this my all i may fail but i'm not going to give up i'm going to keep tweaking and adjusting it until i get it right thank you very much sam my pleasure